0: Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Quarter.
1: I'm Alex Argo.
2: And I'm Alex Robinson.
0: This is episode 133. All right, guys, so this is going to be our last episode for the year, and I think it would be fun to revisit what we uh, said we would get done this year. Yikes. Yeah, but uh, first we've got a couple little news topics I'd like to go over. Uh, First one, this one's kind of near and dear to my heart. I really never thought it would be Kotlin that would do this, but...
1: Oh my gosh, where did this (laughs) magically appear from? We've been talking about what we were going to talk about, and this was not on the list. Just want to point that out there. Snuck it
0: in, snuck it in.
1: Tell us about it, Sam.
0: Uh, So, you know, I've always been... uh, looking for that non-JavaScripty cross-platform solution where I could write like a shared library in, in one language and have that compiled and ported onto both Android and iOS. Well, so Kotlin from the JetBrains people, who you might know from IntelliJ fame, or if you're in a .NET, if you swim in a .NET pool, You would know it as uh, you'd know them from Resharper,
1: and they also have their own .NET IDE now too. That's wholly written by them. I just noticed.
0: Oh, uh, that's going to lead us into our next topic, but (laughs) we'll get to that. So, uh, it's a little teaser for you. Um, But anyway, the Kotlin guys, a few months ago or so, they released a preview of a native compiler for Kotlin. And recently, there was a Kotlin conf a few weeks ago, and I think the videos for that are up now. Is that correct, Alex?
2: Yeah, most of the videos are up. There's a couple last time I checked that weren't there yet, but uh, most of those sections are up there.
0: Okay. So, yeah, well, they announced at that point iOS support, and now you could, with that support, with uh, 0.40, I believe it's, called you could actually create an entirely native ios app using kotlin and it has bindings for objective c libraries and whatnot so that's pretty neat but that's kind of for me it's like half of the solution really because i would almost rather be able to write a library in kotlin and then utilize that from both java and swift and that support is quickly coming down the line. It's kind of in a preview beta mode. It's not in a. It's in their master branch. It's not in their uh, release branch yet. But that'll be part of zero point five zero. So I'm looking forward to that. It's it's still early days, but
1: yeah, zero point five zero.
0: yeah, it's still really early, but these guys are moving fast. So I think by, I don't know, maybe March or April or so, This is going to be a very viable solution
1: you're assuming like a linear curve of completion though, like it's it's that first 90% that's like oh yeah, this is going to be hard, but you knock that out, and that's that last 20 or 10% that's like, oh, what about all these edge cases that we just said, well, we'll get to that in 1.0 or
0: if you're the Swift guys We'll get to that in like (laughs) 6.0.
2: So something to point out is for the conference, uh, the conference app itself was written in Kotlin for web, iOS, and Android. So, um, you know, that was kind of a a proof of the concept. And they also created a a second application for the conference that was a a game of sorts that... um, they, they did kind of a a game where people were broken into teams and uh, spun a cube and the more pe- more spins, the more points each team got, so it got updated and kind of tracked. So, hmm. you know, I, I think there's still probably plenty of corner cases or edge cases, uh, but, you know, it's it, they were able to demonstrate that, that it could be done. They had some interesting ways of sharing code as well. Uh, definitely recommend checking out the videos. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to say for that for the rest of the year.
0: But
1: <laughs> well, that's not very long. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had not realized that they had shipped a couple apps uh, with it. That makes it seem like further along than 0.5, but yeah, they're, they're dog fooding this. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a native app, native controls and stuff like that. Oh, it I mean, totally nothing special is. about it, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's other there's other languages that you can do that in now. I mean, you can do it in C Sharp, so you can do that with Xamarin now. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, you just want to get that with Kotlin because you like Kotlin better than C Sharp, right?
0: It's not even that. It's more that C Sharp Xamarin on Android, it, it runs a whole different VM. So you're running a parallel VM along with your Dalvik VM. And then everything that needs to communicate back and forth has like a shadow copy of itself in the Android VM, as well as the Xamarin VM. So for me, that's kind of a, just a non-starter.
2: I just don't, don't like it. Well, so
1: does idea. the, what does the Kotlin native stuff do on
2: iOS? It's compiled with LLVM as, so Kotlin native uses LLVM. So you basically treat it like a C++ library.
1: I mean, that sounds, it sounds better, but in practice, I'm not sure how much of a difference that really makes.
0: And I I know on iOS, Xamarin uses what they call it ahead-of-time compilation. So it's actually compiling into some other, uh, it's actually compiling into native machine code. And so you can't do certain things like reflection and stuff that's available to you in a, uh,
1: vm-based language gotcha i mean it sounds like it's cool but i mean isn't the hard part learning all the different like platform specific apis once you've got this cross platform language i mean it's not going to be like a panacea i mean maybe you'll write some data level stuff yeah, in one language
2: one thing that they're working on is uh, platform independent like networking and io libraries so you could build kind of the business logic down and turn those into shared libraries across platform and then just focus on platform-specific user interface logic.
1: That sounds pretty cool. Yeah,
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, every every cross-platform solution has its uh, challenges, so this probably won't be any different in that sense, but um, the approach appeals to me a little bit more perhaps but until we actually get to a point where we can build some real apps with it it's hard to say
1: yeah i mean don't get me wrong i like kotlin i've you know built some like just little toy stuff with it and it's a great language i have used it more than i have swift so it might be cool to do stuff with kotlin um but, yeah, I'm, it's, it sounds like it's further along than I thought it was, but I'm still going to be waiting for you guys to blaze that trail. Although I do <laughs> want to point out that, so Sam is all into this stuff. Alex just started a Kotlin meetup group <laughs> in Cincinnati. Well, what, what, what made you want to do that, Alex? You, you went to the conference with some, some of your uh, fellow employees. Uh, what what made you wanna to, want to start a confer- or uh, a meetup for that?
0: I think uh. he wanted a swag.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was all about the stickers. Uh, <laughs> <but> yeah. now <laughs> yeah, uh we've been using Kotlin internally, uh, for projects on Android for about a year and a half now. Um and it's been fairly successful. And, you know, it's definitely improved productivity and and it's kind of you know, in many ways, it's it's the Swift for Android. And oh yeah, then, it's
1: like their first-party supported language. I mean, that makes complete sense. Yeah,
2: and well, I mean, we started before Google um, officially supported it, and now that they support it, and the Spring Framework team supports it, uh, the language itself becomes a little bit more viable. Some of our clients are are using it in in a few places. I'm actually interested in more from a server side. Like, As much as I like the idea of Swift on the server side, I feel like that's just moving way too slow um, to be able to do that today. But with Kotlin, I feel like you can get a lot of the benefits of Swift on the server um, well, and then you with have something production-ready.
1: Yeah, you get that giant base of all the server-based uh, JVM... Libraries that people wrote to use with Java a long time ago. So yeah, you know I mean? and
2: profiling tools and and yeah. you know pr- production management tools. So um, yeah, that's nice. It's <laughs> it seemed like a great compromise. Um, and you know Sam always cringes when I say Node or something like that. So um, you know Kotlin still has that type safety and and good tooling. So it's certainly, you know, it's not going to replace Swift for me, but on, on iOS anytime soon, but server side of the options out there, you know, language wise, it's, it's the one that's most interesting to our team, partially because we have so much experience in Java and we've been doing Kotlin on Android for a while.
1: Well, it sounds like the whole shared instance team is bullish on Kotlin's, uh, upside in 2018 so that should be cool to follow over the next year
2: (laughs) we had a great turnout to the first meetup so it, i when we had our first swift meetup there were six of us alex you were one of those six and uh the first meetup for kotlin we had we had 40 people that said they were coming we had about you know typical meetup statistics we had probably about uh 26 or so actually show up but it's still pretty good turnout.
1: Although, just to be clear, we didn't the the six person thing was the Cocoa meetup. It wasn't Swift specific per yeah, se. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> there uh, was no Swift at the time of this meetup. It was Objective C back in yeah, this, this 2010, was like, I think. Yeah, this was like when everyone's like, "Oh, this new SDK thing for iPhone apps is pretty cool." Running my apps on iPhone OS. <laughs> Anyways.
0: Yeah. So not to leave people hanging with our little segue, you know, those JetBrains IDEs, I think if they were to release those on the app store, they would definitely fall prey to this whole, uh, templated app ban that's sweeping through the app store.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. We talked about this a couple, couple months ago, I think it was at this point. Um, but it, for whatever reason, it popped back up again on TechCrunch. There's an article about it, and there's like, you know, Ted Lieu from like a, from the California House of, well, he's in the House of Representatives uh, for a district in California, has written a letter to Mr. Tim Cook, and there's all kinds of people talking about it again. So, I guess we thought it might be good to talk about it a little more i think last time we may not have had as much information either so there's kind of two rules that uh people are being rejected for and kind of giving a given a chance to try to rectify and one is rule 4.2.6 which is you're not allowed to create apps from commercial templates or app generation tools and then there's another one uh that's called Design Spam, and this one is... They're both problematic for different reasons, but Design Spam basically says if you have apps that have the same exact... uh, They're the same app, essentially, but they have different content or languages uh, they explicitly call it in their review, um, then they say you need to combine them into one app because you're essentially spamming the app store with all your different versions of your app. Um, so, yeah, this, is, this stuff's kind of scary. <laughs> what do you guys think?
0: Yep, scary.
2: Well, it's, you know, if you're an independent developer and your business uh, falls into what Apple believes to be this category, you know, you could wake up one day with Apple basically saying your business model is invalid anymore. And uh you're gonna yeah be it's k- not a kicked good kicked thing out. to <laughs> and and for the software companies um you know whether whether you think they're producing good software or not I mean in in some ways that's even worse because you have teams of people relying on this revenue from uh from a bunch of customers that's essentially gonna go away <laughs> so you know that's hard to pivot like in midstream and and you've got clients as well like I you know I don't know what kind of uh liability these companies have if the apps all of a sudden go away as well for for their customers
1: well yeah, so I let's talk about both of the cases so the first one is commercial templates and um and app generation services and it seems like that you know. If, if you ban these from the App Store, that really hurts a whole bunch of small businesses. This is kind of like the case against net neutrality, that only the people who can afford, like, a fully funded uh, iOS and Android development team are the people who can, you know, release apps. Your mom and pop, like, university or credit union or church, um, church, yeah, all that stuff, they're not going to be able to take. To even play in that space and they're gonna be forced to like make a web app or just not have anything um and i don't know i don't know about you guys but that just doesn't seem like it's it does much good for users on the app store normally apple looks out for apple first it's users second and developers way way at the end so ignoring developers because obviously it's bad for developers i mean it just doesn't seem good for the users I mean, they won't be able to get apps. They'll be stuck using, you know, horrible websites for... Yeah, I I think I
2: generally agree with you. I, you know, there's... You could argue that a lot of those applications that are template apps are really nothing that couldn't be done as a web app. And they're servicing a really small market, like a church app or... um, you know one of the one of the template companies that was uh, singled out in the article was Chow Now, and they build apps for like quick service restaurants, kind of a I think mostly kind of smaller chains and um, they actually have functionality you can I think you can order uh, through the app as well, but it's published under I believe the Chow now name and rather than the restaurant's name. But for the most part, you could do that through a web app. I mean, it's you could argue that they don't belong in the app store, but, I mean, you're kind of splitting hairs at that point.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the reason for this rule is because I I think there's some bad actors who did create, like, a bunch of template apps, and people would just get these templates and turn out new apps, dropping into new image files, like making a you know, like an endless runner game. And they would just, like, try to game the app store. They'd try to get paid for a bunch of users and have a bunch of, you know, ads and stuff like that. And, and so, like, because of the people who did stuff like that, I mean, I think everyone is suffering, which is kind of unfortunate. Um,
2: yeah, a few years back, we talked to a couple media companies that both wanted to basically... Uh, you know, through a a lightweight configuration file, generate an app based on a short-term kind of media need or, you know, basically generate an app in five minutes and push it to the store to get get in the market and kind of take advantage of trending topics. Uh, Conferences are kind of like that too. Like if you have an event, you know, those are generally short-lived events and I think those definitely fall into that category of a template app in a lot of cases.
0: They would. You know, one thing I think too is that a lot of these template apps, they get generated and you know, perhaps they use old, or they, they use code libraries that are cutting edge the day they're generated, but those things get old. Like if you were to go back to say something that used AF networking 1.0, there's some security issues in that version of AF networking that may not ever be updated in a template app.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the template uh, template apps are probably also PhoneGap or some web tech technology wrapped in an app, you know, yeah. rather than even your pure native. Um,
1: they could be, but not all of them. Are. I mean, there's no, no, no. Sir. template apps yeah, out yeah. There,
2: there, <laughs> there definitely is. I, I'm thinking about the ones that are like you know let's just get something quick and cheap out there um you know there's it, it kind of makes you wonder like for like a short-lived app let's say a conference you know maybe better than having something like that in the app store having something in between a uh ad hoc enterprise distribution and an app store distribution where you could almost sideload the app just for the uh for the attendees.
1: Yeah, that's not ever going to I know, to I know, it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, that's the way they do it with 360 iDev. But
2: do they do, like, a, a business-to-business, or...?
0: No, they do a test flight sign-up. Uh, so okay. if your conference has less than 1,000 users, or I guess 2,000
2: now... it's I think it's going up to 5,000, I don't know. I, it, but that, that app still has
1: up. to get approved for... Uh, beta app review so yeah. I mean there's, there's still the same thing they could be like if they see an event company doing this over and over they're going to be like whoa 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 I don't yeah. think so you're just trying to get around our rules so yeah
0: you're, you're abusing our test policy but
1: you can
2: do a business time. to business application distribution uh, which does go through the app store it does have a review um, but to some degree that is designed for t- template apps where you're customizing it somewhat yeah. for a specific business customer, it just yeah. it doesn't show up in any searches. Mm. You have to have a uh reg code or um the volume purchase has to uh you know, company well yeah well purchase a bunch of seeds
1: and those seem it seems like the fact that they explicitly you know want you to do that with business to business apps kind of speaks to what seems like the reasoning for Apple is that these template apps are going to or already are confusing and overwhelming people trying to search in the app store and also Apple's very simple search algorithm. Um, So that seems to be kind of the, you know, looking out for Apple, like, hey, this is bad because people can't find the apps that they want to find type reason. Um, So I don't know. I feel like we've We've talked about the the template apps a bunch, and I don't think we like it still. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that scares me even more is the uh, the next one is design spam. So basically, uh, four point three rule four point three in the App Store says if you have let me see, let me pull it up right here to read the exact wording. Um, if you have apps... Do, 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 do. All right. Rule 4.3. Don't create multiple bundle IDs of the same app. If your app has different versions for a specific locations, sports teams, universities, etc., consider submitting a single app and provide variations using an in-app purchase. Also, avoid piling onto the category that's already saturated, i.e. fart, burp, flashlight, and common Sutra apps. Spamming the store may lead to your removal from the program. So... In their, in their rejections for it um, they say your app prov- provides the same feature set as many of the other apps you've submitted to the app store it just varies in you know content or language or whatever and apps that duplicate content or functionality create clutter, diminish the overall experience for the end user and reduce the ability of developers to market their apps so they say combine your apps into one giant app container and user app purchases or something. So I feel like that's a very slippery slope what constitutes content in the age of of the App Store like my apps specifically are a bunch of card game apps. We have different card games. We have some shared code, shared libraries, so you know the apps look the same a little bit, but you know the the functionality is is different because the games are all different. Um there's other companies that have, you know, apps that are, uh, one of our listeners has a language learning app and that one did get flagged and it, they have one app, but they have different content to help people te- learn different languages and they got the rejection notice. So like, where, where does, where is that line? Like what is content? What is, what, <laughs> where is this, um, Gray area. It's I don't know. It's frustrating. Do you guys yeah. have you guys figured that out yet?
2: <laughs> there definitely seems to be a degree of subjectiveness to whether or not it's design spam.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen other apps that I won't name in the app store that seem like uh, they would run afoul of of this rule as well. They have you know like eighteen different apps that are basically the exact same code, but yeah um
2: yeah I've worked on apps like that, and yeah it's <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's we all a, three have <laughs> yeah the uh i you know it just happens one of the uh apps I've worked on like that where we had five different flavors, if you will of the, the same app um we recently started consolidating that into a single app to and uh you can buy. The content as separate uh, in-app purchases. Um, we didn't know this rule was coming out. It would just seem like a good idea to instead of having separate products, and these are paid applications, and, and you know, starting at ten dollars most for most of the the content. So it, it made sense to just have one app where you can buy the content as opposed to Separate apps, but if it's a free app, um, I don't know. I don't know if that would still apply.
1: Or if you have enough variations, I think Apple's answer to like, oh hey, but we we're not gonna, we don't have enough keywords to market the app for all the these variations that we have. They say, oh, we have the promoted in-app purchases that you can use now, but there's a limit that you can do for those too. So, like, you can run into a scenario where you have. 20 different versions of your app just because that's all the different content that's there and it's all legitimate, but you can't even like promote it in the app store because you don't have enough keywords or in-app purchase features to do that with.
0: Yeah. So, so it, yeah, I, it puts. I think one, one type of app that we could all talk about and not violate any kind of conflict of interest. And we could just use it as an example would be, uh, sports teams apps right so we have say all your baseball teams there's definitely some, maybe some value in having a separate sports team app for every sports team every like baseball team but is the user going to benefit more from having that all in one place I, I would say yes and I don't know maybe that company that would put out that baseball app would benefit because their, their release process would yeah be a shadow of what it was before.
2: Oh, it also there, you know, since downloads still have a big influence on your ranking, they also benefit from the shared downloads yeah. as opposed to distributing that across multiple um, uh, app IDs.
0: Right. And, and nowadays, too, even with being able to change the app's icon to one of whatever number of icons, I think that allows the user to personalize their experience a little bit more. So if I'm using a baseball app and I happen to say that the Cincinnati Reds are my home team and it changes to the Reds logo on my home screen, that's, I think that's a pretty good compromise.
1: Well, yeah, and it depends on the content of the apps, too. I mean, what about the scenario where you follow two baseball teams, that you have to kind of pick one? You can't even like have a separate copy for the for the other team, and you know, pe- like people may argue that you're not a true fan of two baseball teams. That's impossible. <laughs> um,
0: Divided loyalties. You can't have yeah. two masters, Argo.
1: But, but like, like take take my company. We make card game apps. Apple could argue it like i said on the slippery slope that we all we have a bunch of card game apps they should all be one app um what if you play more than one of the apps and you want to you know you want that icon for each app or, or whatever i mean
2: oh what do you think it would do for your business if you went to one app you know do you think long term that would be positive or do you think that when people go looking for a euchre app or um, hearts or something like that that they would see your app and because it's not a single card game they'd move on to a different one well so
1: it would be a technical it would be a technical challenge so there would be a lot of you know lost man hours trying to consolidate. All of our apps um because like i said they're a somewhat shared code base but they're not completely shared um and uh yeah we it would be hard to do yeah the technical (laughs) technical (laughs) challenges
2: aside do you think as a business model it would be if if you started today with no legacy you know what what would do you think would be more positive uh, for your business to have one app and sell different card games as an in-app purchase, or um, do you think it's, it would still be better to have separate apps for each card game?
1: I mean, I, I think it would still be better to have separate apps. Right now, we have paid and free apps for both, so that really puts us on the design spam uh, <laughs> kind of radar for Apple, probably, and I would... If I started from scratch today, I would not have a paid and free app. But it's kind of a legacy thing. How do you get those those paid users over to free? But if, if let's assume we just had three apps for our three main card games. Um, I mean, for a user, if they want to play, let's say, Euchre, they'd have to open our app and then like do an additional level of navigation to find whatever specific game they wanted to play. Which, which seems annoying. Like You already have to choose, like, do you want to play single player or do you want to play multiplayer? And there's options that you can choose and stuff like that. So I feel like if a user had to also choose what game, like, that's adding more overhead for them, they might not even open apps because...
0: There's probably a threshold for the number of apps that have to be the same or similar before you start getting flagged.
1: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. There's got to be some internal metric in Apple.
0: A two yeah. probably not it three or four maybe you're getting into that point i really don't know
2: yeah so we've probably kind of exhausted this topic uh for this year it sounds like uh we'll see more activity <laughs> in january it sounded like uh some companies were being given a little bit of slack until january to address uh apple's concerns so i'm sure we'll hear a lot more about it in the coming month or two
1: yeah the only thing i can think though is apple does not like be to be bullied into changing their stance on anything so i find it hard that like some consumer or press backlash is gonna be the thing that changes it so yeah i'm
2: i i think it's going to be more around being more clear about what the policy is at least to me that
1: that would be nice yeah Yeah, i I don't worry or enforce it consistently.
2: Yeah, but yeah. There is yeah. some
1: like shadow policy that's like if you have more than eight apps, then you fall under this rule, and you need to <laughs> yeah consolidate. Because yeah. yeah, they're definitely not enforcing the rules as written right now. Yeah. Uh, consistently. Yeah.
2: yeah, it seems like the smaller players or the more indie shops are getting the the brunt of the rejection. But that's just anecdotal.
0: So one thing I did want to remind you guys about in the beginning of the year, we made some resolutions and it's kind of a good time to follow up on those resolutions. One, because it gives you a little extra time to maybe do that last thing to, to save your resolution or to just decide, no, that was not really a good idea. But, uh, Do you guys want to go through them real quick?
2: Yeah.
1: Sure. That sounds good. All
0: right. So, Alex, you had a resolution of migrate remaining projects to Swift 3.
2: So, not only did I do Swift 3, but I did Swift 4. So, I I feel like I nailed that one.
0: Double points. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah.
2: It's kind of sad that uh, two major revisions in a year, but... uh, (laughs) not not even counting the the point releases
0: right well the point releases aren't so bad but
2: not too bad but I, there were a few breaking changes along the way
0: yeah experiment more with rx swift so
2: Have you given up i i haven't given up i i'm i've probably warmed up to promises and futures a little bit more and I'm really kind of excited about what Chris Latner proposed for what looks like might be a Swift Five uh, edition. Um, so I'm I'm still a little hesitant to really uh, jump into RX Swift completely, but um, it's still on my radar. So I'd I'd probably say I, I failed on that one. Um, I, I've kind of put it off until we see what the Swift team's going to do.
0: <laughs> All those Android developers are leaving you behind with their RxJava yeah. Java now. Yeah.
2: Too. Yeah. Yeah. RxJava, Java, but you know, the, our, our Android folks are using RxJava Java just on kind of the business and networking logic. They don't use it on the uh, UI binding because uh, Google provides a UI binding solution so uh um, yeah that's kind of an interesting delineation in how they use it and I, you know I, I they actually are very re- hesitant or resistant to use Arc's java at the ui layer um, because things are getting more complicated so and it to me like the UI layer is probably where most of my motivation would be for Arc Swift is keeping the view and the model uh, in sync.
0: From what little I've done with that data binding stuff, there is a lot of code generation and black magic in that. And yeah. if you're fine with that and you can learn it, that's great. But if you, there are, yeah, there are people that don't like storyboards because it's too much code generation or whatever for them they they would hate data binding so anyway that's just an aside you also had a goal to rewrite slash update a app that you had released and adding sync support to it
2: yeah so we kind of went the complete opposite direction and just pulled it from the store um you know we had really too much uh too much client demand. Um, and it made more sense to focus on our client projects. And so we just shelved, uh, that, that project internally. Yeah.
0: And that's okay. That is a valid business decision.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was always a free app. Uh, so there was no revenue there. It did have a decent number of downloads and some fairly, uh, um, vocal users that love the app but it just uh ultimately it uh wasn't you know i don't think we we never even updated it to the iphone 6 screen size so <laughs> <No. laughs> there was a lot of work that needed to be done there yeah i mean for the most part it scaled fine but, it,
0: but it, i think it's it, a responsible thing that if you can't maintain it or you don't want to devote the resources needed to make it a good product that it's a responsible thing not to let it languish and to actually just put it out of its misery
2: you know it was kind of the can we turn it into a business and justify the time or is it just out there for fun and if so um, we're not doing our users any favors by not keeping it up to date yeah all
0: right argo uh oh <clears throat> <laughs> So uh Your first one here You know we, we kind of missed it By like one letter You said be the first to download Apple's new VR kit But we didn't get that Oh I
1: think it, I think it counts We got AR <laughs> kit yeah. And it's definitely their, their Stepping stone towards That type of stuff Um so was it so close I'm-
0: enough for you to rush out and download?
1: Oh yeah. So I, I saw it during the keynote. I was on vacation, so I I told the people I was on vacation with, I've got a business uh, thing I've got to do, so I went and watched the, the keynote, and in between the, the like the keynote for everyone, and the developer. Uh, What is it? The platform state of the platform state of the union later on in the day. I I found I got the betas. I got them all downloaded and installed on one of my phones. I um, actually found some sample code for sessions that had not happened yet. (laughs) Um, But but as soon as the but the code was out there for some of them, um, you know, as soon as they released the, the session list and i tweeted out some pictures of me using the ar app that they had demoed in their in their keynote on my phone and i had some people ask me where i where to get the code so i'm going to say that counts as be the first to download it <laughs> 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 i so yeah I'm, I'm i'm giving myself that one and i'll say i did the hello world vr app too cuz i just tinkered with ar kit and swift a little bit um at this point, I think most of this stuff is—it's fairly gimmicky. There's not like uh, not many use cases, except for some of the people who are taking advantage of the f- feature that they have to like actually measure distance, so you can like measure things or place furniture in real life. Most most other uses I've seen so far have been pretty gimmicky.
2: And we're waiting for the uh, Apple glasses. All yep.
1: right. that'll be that'll be cool.
0: <laughs> well apple does work that way where they they'll release something and then maybe the first year it's somewhat useful maybe just gimmicky and then slowly over time that they their product roadmap unfolds and we get to see what they actually meant to have or use it yeah for.
1: it's like all those features that we slowly got uh for them to put in those rules we talked about earlier in the episode.
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking like large phones that yeah, were just three twenty auto
1: layout and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so the last school that you guys gave me so we have it written down I, li- as, I like
2: how you uh Well basically. Hold on, hold on. Switched so we have
1: <laughs> we have right at least fifty percent Swift slash ship swift in one of my company's apps so my recollection of that is you guys assigned right at least 50 percent swift to me and i said how about if i ship swift in one of my company's apps
0: i do remember you had a hard time coming up with a third one and we kind of assigned that one to you
1: yeah so i think that was my compromise with ship swift in one of my company's apps um there's a test flight beta or app that we use. It's like an internal app that's shipped in test flight that has Swift in it. So maybe that <laughs> counts. There's no way that I'm gonna write fifty percent Swift. I've I've written like we talked about earlier more Kotlin than I've written Swift this year. And
0: yeah, well, yeah, it, I don't. And it also the the new app that you've been working on
1: doesn't. Yeah, we're using use, Unity. So right. Yeah, it's C sharp. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't foresee the fifty percent Swift unless I work on just like a native iOS app. And then, well, yeah, if I start a new iOS app, of course I am going to use Swift. Um, and you've shipped
2: you shipped uh, some GiveCamp apps in Swift as well, haven't
1: you? I, I shipped one last year. Um, the one from this year is in the process of shipping, so I, I wouldn't call that one shipped yet. But I've done all my Swift code that I am going to do on it, so. It's not like I'm like this Swift thing is like this horrible monster. I don't want to mess with it. I just think it there hasn't been the right opportunity for me to use Swift and it's kind of like Alex's decisions with Quotley. There's sometimes it just it just hasn't made sense for me to to do a bunch of Swift at this point. I think
2: you contributed to the Five Calls app as well, which was Swift and that, that's used by I did. I think you did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's not fifty percent Swift or no. one of my company's apps. No, so by but... the by the letter of the law, nope. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah, I'm I, trying I, to
2: help you out. Yeah, yeah. That app was used by uh, I, I forget what the numbers were, but it it was uh, quite a, a large number of people.
1: Yeah, and if yeah. if you, you should download it, if you feel like you want to make some calls about things that are important to you, check it out. <laughs> Uh, so, what about you, Sam? Let's 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 uh, revisit your goals. So, your first goal was ship your meetup app that you'd been working on. So, how did that go?
0: That app is still on the shelf, <laughs> but on the other hand, I did ship another app. So, win lose, I don't know. Kind of works out.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like Alex's changing goals. It didn't make sense for him to business sense for him to do quotely, and you had, you shifted your goals. You, you did ship your own app, a new app. So yeah.
0: And actually it's on both iOS and Android. So
1: yeah, it's pretty nice. Technically
0: shipped two apps. So you could
2: say, uh, your, your next goal was to learn Firebase. (laughs)
0: And I conveniently killed two birds with one stone. So this, uh, this app that I did ship uses Firebase as a back end. Uh, so I guess I could say I crossed that off my list.
2: Nice. Yes. Uh, but uh, so- Google also went and turned Firebase into lots of different things. So, um, And I've used a lot of those things. It's, <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> so Learning Firebase is a lot more complicated now, but uh, there are definitely some nice features and it's even kind of uh, swallowed up Crashlytics and and Fastlane. So um, that keeps growing. So if you're okay with Google, Firebase is becoming quite the mobile platform um, service provider.
0: Yeah, I definitely liked working with Firebase. It was a pretty good experience. Uh, database, the, the real-time database thing that they have, it's okay it's a little weird to work with but you can it's not too bad to wrap your head around maybe maybe you have to change up your your data model a little bit to conform to working with the database well they do have this um new document based real-time database Uh, i think that's still in beta it kind of came out as i was getting ready to ship this app and i thought there's no way I'm going to go back and add another two, three weeks to my schedule. Uh, so I haven't played with that yet. Uh, it could be on my future list, but I want to kind of see where it goes.
1: So your your final item on the list was beef up server-side skills. I don't know. what you consider some of your Firebase stuff to cover that, or... Do you mean strictly like you are writing the code for the server side? So how, how did you grade yourself on that one, Sam?
0: I'm gonna say that I, I will say that the Firebase stuff I, doesn't really count as far as like server side skills goes.
2: Yeah, uh, especially since the marketing term is serverless.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Not
0: you yes could, and no. You, I mean, service serverless. I could means see something. you
1: stretching it out to. <laughs> To, to say that you met that goal, but I'll, I'm gonna let you decide how to.
0: <laughs> so serverless is a, is a much different uh, term than something like Firebase, which is really just a, like a platform as a service kind of thing, or backend as a service. Uh, Server side skills, I would say, I did um, invest a lot more time in learning Go this past year. I have written some uh discord bots with Go, and I did do some app or website programming with go, but none of that really hit production or anything, so yes and no on that one but yeah I would I would consider myself proficient with go uh but unfortunately it's not something I get to use every day, so every time I go back to the code I have to there's a little bit of a learning curve to kind of pick it back up but yeah so, I've, I've definitely upped my game there sounds
1: like you beef them up yeah why not <laughs> sure
0: well and one of the nice things was this this bot that i wrote you know i kind of wrote one version of it for another program another app i was working on and was able to uh when that idea didn't really go anywhere i uh was able to To utilize a lot of that code and a lot of those skills and just kind of quickly make this other app so i was i was quite happy with that
1: cool well it sounds like we all kind of got two ish out of three of our goals (laughs) (laughs) maybe some more than others but yeah we 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 did all right um uh but since this podcast comes out kind of uh give you got like a week or so left of the year by the time you hear this so Maybe revisit your goals or see if you can come up with some goals. And, and maybe uh, next episode, we'll talk about what we're, we're planning on doing in 2018. Um, but I think that's about all the time we have left. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet?
2: You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter.
1: I'm at Alex Argo. And you can find the podcast at Shared Inst. Although we don't really tweet that much from there. Uh, You can join us in our Slack, which we do participate in, by going to chat.sharedinstance.com to get an invite if you don't already have one. And we'll talk to you guys next year.
0: Awesome. Happy New Year. Yep. (laughs) Soon.